work. They've been working uh, hard back there to make sure that happens, but, but we'll see. But I just wanted to start off uh, by talking about something that we can kind of all relate to. And uh, it is this. It's the idea that we all have these. Okay? We all have, I, I wrote fear. Fears is what I meant. We all have fear. Beautiful handwriting, I know. Nice sign. I'm going to put this up here. Um, I was putting my son to bed the other night, and uh, all kids have their thing, right? They have, uh, you may have seen him dashing across the front here like a good preacher's kid carrying his blanket. That's, that's something he needs to go to bed. And if you can't find the blanket, we have driven many miles late at night to retrieve the blanket from places because he won't go to bed without the blanket. It's, uh, it's an addiction, and I, there should be a support group for kids who need their blankets. But I was putting him to bed the other night, and uh, he's always been nervous about sleeping in his own room. So, uh, you know, confession, he'll, uh, most mornings we'll wake up with Liam kicking me in the face. That's, that's my wake-up call, because he crawled into our bed, and during the night got turned upside down and decided, you know, you know how kids are. You've, you've, you've been there, right? They're, they're great to sleep with, because you don't get any sleep. Whoever said sleeping like a baby did not have a baby. But he's got the stuffed animals, he's got everything. And I just, real quick, I, just to set up what we're going to talk about this morning, I kind of want to walk you through a little bit of what he has, and, and I'm going to have Liam himself explain it. Uh, but just so you know, this little guy right here, uh, he calls it Lion Ball. This is going to play into to, to what we have going on this morning. That's Lion Ball. Um, Lion Ball is assisted by some other guys. Uh, you have Spider-Man. You, Spider-Man's really important, right? Spider-Man has got to help Lion Ball out. Uh, Donald Duck also plays into the security system at night, so that he, he, he's there. And then you've never seen anything like this. I'm serious. I think we bought this in Mexico. They're like black market. This is a minion dressed up as Spider-Man, right? So Liam loves minions, loves Spider-Man. Boom, right? This is the perfect toy. And it's also a bank. He's got some money in there in case I need to get something from the vending machine. And then this roll of duct tape. Okay? All these play. If the video works, he will explain it for you. If not, I'll have to run through this. Uh, but let's go ahead and see if we can watch that video real quick. Uh, now, what does Lion Ball do? Um, he looks out the closet and Spider-Man shoots webs. And then Minion Spider-Man, they, he, he takes somebody who's mean. Oh, he tapes them? Yeah. So Lion Ball looks at the closet, and what does he look at the closet for? Um, because there's monsters. Oh, and then Spider-Man, what does he shoot webs at? The monsters. Oh, okay, and then Donald Duck, what does he do? He tells Spider-Man that there's monsters if he's looking away. Okay, and then, and then you have a minion... Spider-Man? Piggy Bank? Mm -hmm. What does he do? He tapes somebody who's mean. Oh, he tapes the mean people mm -hmm. using the duct tape in your room? Mm -hmm. Okay, and do you have a shield too? Mm -hmm. What does the shield do? It protects if there's monsters. Oh, it, and it saves you from them? Mm -hmm. Okay. Very cool. Thanks, buddy, for helping me out. You're welcome. So, 
Yeah, yeah. Hold, hold your applause because I got I to gotta tell you something. Um, yeah, this is him. This is his security system. And let me tell you, the other night I did not set it up correctly and I heard about it. So <laughs> Lion Ball has to go on this tee right here and he has to face the closet like so. He faces the closet. Like, he has to face the closet. Spider-Man, of course, has to be near his bed. He's shooting the webs for the bad guys. Donald Duck, of course, is like, Hey, Spider-Man, monsters are coming. That's what He's the lookout guy. And then Minion faces the doorway in case monsters come in that way and then uses the duct tape to tape them up. So this is a very, very elaborate system that Liam's got here to, uh, to protect himself from monsters. Now... Let me just tell you this, and then we'll move on, and, and, and I'll explain what all this has to do with my sermon. Uh, a couple of days ago, I don't know why I did this. I think I did this because I'm a guy, and I went in his closet, and then he came in the room, and I jumped out of the closet. <laughs> right. Now, now, I know, I know, the ladies are really the ones with their, you know, hands in their heads, um, but I hadn't, I hadn't talk to him about this yet. I didn't realize the monsters in the closet were quite as big of a deal, so his security system has kind of ramped up since then. This was, <laughs> this is what it was at the time, so this is what he's got. So, it's fear, right? Fear. Now, it's, it's, it's cute, it's, you know, whatever, but I want you to think about your fears. I want you to think about, uh, really, your, your somewhat irrational ones, and I, and I want to offer that maybe the majority of our fears, of our fears, are irrational, um, but, and we've all, you know, we've all done that. We've all, like, somebody's a little home, a little late getting home, and we're like, oh, I'm sure they'll be fine. They're just a little late. Oh, I don't know. They would have called. I better, you know, I should see if I can call them. They didn't answer. I really should call the sheriff's department. I should call the police. And you get on the phone, and you're talking to them. Uh, I, you're, we're looking for a silver sedan with four doors, license. Pl- uh, oh, wait, never mind. I see him pull up at the driveway. Thank you. You know, like, we, we let our fears kind of spiral out of control a little bit irrationally. So fear is often irrational. It's often irrational. Um, And and I would say mostly probably irrational. I I thought I was going to get shot in the back with an arrow when I was a kid. And I could tell you some stories about like sprinting into my front door, just sure that there was somebody back there ready to shoot an arrow in my back. I lived in a pretty big town. There wasn't a lot of drive-by arrow wings, but I still was worried about it. Fears are immune to logic and reason. Uh, you can't talk somebody out of them. If you're ta- sitting next to somebody on a plane who's scared of planes and you're like, listen, statistically, you'll more likely fall in a bathtub. And they're like, I don't care. Uh, this, I'm in a plane and I'm freaking out a little bit. They, they don't, you, can't, you can't hardly talk people down. If someone is afraid of spiders, well, listen, they're more afraid of you than you are of them. No, it's not possible because I am way beyond panic here. So there's no way that spider even knows Probably can't even pronounce panic, spell panic. So um, it circumvents our thinking. And and I want to say this, and this is going to sound a little contrary to what you might think. Fear encourages us to do dumb things. Fear encourages us to do dumb things. And I'm I'm actually serious about that. Most of you are like, no, wait a second here. Uh, If if fear encourages us to do dumb things, I mean, we have healthy fear, right? That's a a thing. It it keeps us from from doing things like base jumping or owning pet snakes, stuff like that. That's a healthy fear. It keeps us healthy. But fear actually encourages us, and I would even argue, venture a guess, that fear more often encourages us to do dumb things than it encourages us to be healthy. Um, just for a quick example, after 9-11, 1,500 people, not in the towers, not even in New York, 
1,500 people died in car accidents as a direct result of choosing not to get on a plane. They, people that are, are not alive, that would be alive because they decided they would not fly because they were afraid. And, you, I mean, it's a pretty big study done about how people made a choice out of fear and it cost them their lives. I mean, fear encourages us to do dumb things. And I think fear, the bottom line is, it's kind of like that really bad friend that that usually makes wild and ridiculous claims. He won't listen to reason and logic and encourages us and prompts us to do things. And we usually listen. That's fear. Fear is that terrible friend that we had in college. Sometimes what fear encourages us to do is a little bit more indirect. It's not taking an airplane or a car. It's we got hurt by a relationship. And so now we struggle with keeping everybody at arm's length. We, we had something happen to us in a relationship and we can't let anybody get close. That's, that's fear. That's fear encouraging us to do something. The command, do not fear, and all its variations in the Bible, fear not, take courage, are by far the most often repeated commandment in the Bible. Jesus spoke to this more than anything else, including things like you would think loving people would be number one on the list. It's not. It was a command, do not fear, that's number one on the list. So if you were asking uh, Jesus, if you were asking God what really seemed to be a big important topic in their minds, based on how many times they addressed it, it would be this idea of do not fear over and over and over again. It seems like fear is pretty important or, the, or not fearing is pretty important in the mind of Christ. Why? And this is my premise this morning. Fear is a dead end. Fear is a dead end. Now, some of you are like, well, good luck because I fear. I'm, I'm nervous. I have anxiety. You can't just tell me not to fear. Let's talk about that a little bit. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Mark. Book of Mark, familiar passage. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And uh, we're going to start in verse 35. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. So that day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side, side of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A little extra information, a little extra tidbit. Um, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, this is interesting to me. It was nearly swamped, and Jesus was in the stern of the boat sleeping. So waves were crashing over Jesus, evidently. I'm assuming rain. I'm assuming water. And he's sleeping. He's sleeping on a cushion. I don't know if he's tucked down inside, but whatever. These are not the ideal conditions for sleep, and yet he's sleeping. He's taking a nap. I imagine Jesus was exhausted. I imagine his kind of his life and his choices. He was up early. He stayed up late. I mean, he had three years. He knew he had a lot to get done. I imagine he was exhausted and he took these breaks where he could get them. Uh, but he was sleeping. Now, the, the, the disciples woke him up and they said, you remember this? If you know the song, carest thou not that we perish. Don't you care if we drown, Jesus? We're, di- we're dying here. Now, this is not an irrational fear, right? This is not lion ball. This is not monsters in the closet. This is a real fear. There, there is a real possibility that we are really going to die here. Now, if his apostles were with him, these were experienced guys. They had exhausted their bag of tricks for how you deal with a storm, how you stay alive in a storm. They knew what they were doing, and they had done everything you needed to do, and they said, this is it. They were probably 
Peter was probably crying, hugging somebody. I love you, man. I just, I'm sorry for all the mean things I said. Other people were probably writing out little wills or letters to their family or whatever. They thought this was it. They'd done everything they knew how to do. I've seen the movie The Perfect Storm, so I kind of know how this probably played out. A little tiny boat going up this giant wave. I don't know exactly what it looked like. But this is it. This is the end. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I mean, this is it. We're done. We're done. And this is what Jesus says. And this this is a little bit mind-boggling. He got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Quiet! Be still! And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And this is where we really get into the nugget of truth that I think kind of defines this concept. And this is amazing to me. This is what he says. Jesus says, What? Why are you guys so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Uh, excuse me, Jesus, why are we so afraid? Because we're about to die. That is why we are so afraid. This doesn't even seem fair of Jesus. Why are you so afraid? And he says this, do you still have no faith? He says, you're right here in fear. And you cannot, you're you're not seeing something that he's seeing. And I'm with the disciples. Like, what are you talking about? You're right here. And he somehow contrasts this idea of fear, of living in fear, with this idea of faith. Jesus says there is this direct inverse correlation to how much of this you have versus how much of this you have. And if sometimes you wonder why you're struggling over here, maybe it's because of something going on over here. The more of this you have, the less of this you have, the more of this, the less of this. If you're listening to this on the audio recording, you're really confused right now, by the way. That's why you should be in church. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? When I operate over here, when I operate from fear, when I'm over here, I, I, can't, I, I can't, there's so many things I can't do. I can't be generous. I can't. Because if I'm generous, the question that's going through in my mind are, well, maybe it's not monsters in the closet, but maybe it's like, what if I don't have enough for me? What if I don't have enough for my family? If I, if, I, if I really operated over here and could be generous, that'd be great. But what if I don't have enough? I can't be generous. I, I can't be forgiving because fear says, well, what if they do it again? If I let them go, let them off the hook, what if they just do that thing again? I can't do that. That's, that I, there's no way. I can't celebrate somebody else's success because either I'm like jealous that they're existing in a, or experiencing a level of success that I haven't experienced or I've, I'm, a, I'm upset that I'm missing out. I'm looking at their Facebook like, why do they have such an incredible life? That's, that's no fair. I can't celebrate them. I'm jealous of them. I have a fear of missing out. There's a problem because I'm operating here. I can't celebrate with them. I can't rejoice with them. I can't, I can't grow in God. I can't grow in maturity. I can't grow in Christ because I would have to actually admit I was wrong. Mm, I don't know about that. Confess to people, no way. What will they think with me, of me? And if I operate out of here, there's so many things that I cannot do, ever. I cannot, I cannot live the life that God has called me to live. But when I operate from faith, I can be generous because it's not my money anyway. There's more where that came from. I got a rich daddy. When I operate out of faith, there's so many things I can do. I can show grace because, well, you wouldn't believe the things I've done. I've been shown a lot of grace, so I'll go ahead and show you some grace too. I can celebrate their joy because I'm not worried about missing out because I have this promise of an eternal life. I can love people because I'm not thinking about what I'm going to get back or what they might do to me or letting them in or letting them close. Here's the scam that fear is running. And this church, I want you to hear this. This is the scam that fear is running. Fear 
makes us make completely faithless decisions while feeling pretty good about ourselves and sensible. Fear makes us make faithless decisions, but we feel pretty good, like, okay, I'm safe. I got it under control. No, you do not. That's the scam that fear is running. It encourages us to make decisions that would go against faith and feel good about it. And worst of all, for the most part, fear isn't even telling the truth. There's no monsters in the closet. Damn, buddy, there's no monsters in the closet. You know what we eventually do as parents sometimes? This is what I did. I, when I came out of the closet and realized I had freaked him out, I was like, oh, buddy, I was just clearing out the monsters. I, I began to play into that lie a little bit to help, try to help him get over his fear. But there are no monsters in the closet. Fear isn't telling us the truth. And even after all that, even if it were, even if this were the right thing to do, it doesn't even solve our problems. We operate out of fear, and you know what happens? We just get more fearful about other things because there's other things we can't control, and there's other things we can't deal with, and there's other things we don't know. It's, fear is a dead end. It's always been a dead end, and it always will be a dead end. When we're at that crossroads of decision, when you're, if you were here last week, if you have, like, here's clearly the right thing to do. Here's clearly what God ask, is asking us to do. Here's clearly what we should not do. And we step in this direction because fear is saying, no, 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 this will be better. This will be safer. And God's saying, I know this takes faith. I know this is, is risky, but you've got to trust me. Fear says, no way. Are you kidding? I'm not doing that. Forget it. And I really feel like I need to address something real quick. Just, just real quick. Is God saying that my fear of heights or my fear of snakes is a sin? Is God saying my fear of heights, my fear of snakes, my fear of flying is a sin? Um, well, definitely not snakes because they're gross. I don't know why anybody would think they'd make a good pet. Is God saying don't lock your doors at night? Don't be, don't be scared. Just, you know, leave your doors open and lock. In fact, just open the door up. Put a sign that says, feel free, take whatever you want. I'm sleeping in the bedroom upstairs. Is, is God saying that? No, not at all. I don't think so. But I believe what God is speaking to is a disposition of fear. Believers who live in fear as a default. Followers who ground their choices in fear, in contrast to faith. Christians who refuse to listen to faith and obedience in faith because of fear. And what they're experiencing, what the disciples are experiencing, is a sensible fear. We're going to die. This is sensible to, to worry about this. Here's the thing. Fear is a dead end. Um, I'm going to do a little confessing this morning. I knew I was going to be preaching this sermon. We, we plan our sermons out quite a bit in advance, work through them. And I knew I was going to be talking about fear. And I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I'm a fearful guy. You know, pretty happy-go-lucky, you know, optimistic. Yeah, things are going to work out. Don't worry, the cancer will go away. Cancer just dissipates. It's fine. That's my mentality. I, 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 don't, I don't think I worry that often. So I decided to do something as an experiment. I decided to keep a fear diary. Now, if you want to really feel miserable about yourself and about your life... Write down all the things that you're anxious about, that you're worried about, and that you fear during the course of a day. It's real fun. It's a real good idea. And I'm like, I am not nearly the optimistic person I thought I was. So I was taking this, I was writing down the things that I was afraid of, and I'm going to list them up here for you. Just kidding, I'm not going to list them up here for you. <laughs> We're not that close yet. Just. But these are kind of keep you up at night kind of fears, right? Lay awake at night, monsters in the closet kind of fears. Can't go to sleep. A couple, couple observations about these fears that I had. 
Usually, by the next day, sometimes, within a few hours, I realized that those fears were completely unfounded. Completely. They were lies. Complete lies. And I, I had let them just devastate me. And uh, I was pretty unhappy those moments and those days that I was kind of giving into this fear. And so I wrote these down, and I was kind of looking back over the calendar, and I was like, okay, so this particular day, I had a lot of fears that I was struggling, fears about life and parenting and just, you know, the whole nine yards, right? I don't know if you've ever had those, but I've experienced those. So I'm writing these down, and I thought, you know what? I was kind of unhappy those days. I think I was probably a little bit, you know, a little bit unpleasant to be around from other people. And so I decided to do something. I asked Kareem the other day, and I said, hey, uh, can you think over the, you know, I gave her a time frame. Can you think over this last you know, period of time, when was I kind of the worst to be around? And Kareem said, all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I said, no, especially, like, like, especially bad. You know, when was I r- really bad? When was I, you know, impatient and short-tempered and grouchy? And this is true. I'm not making this up. I'm not manipulating what she said. She named two times during this time period, and both of them, were these days of heaviest anxiety and fear and nervousness and worry. I was bad husband because I was worried about things unrelated to my marriage. I was a bad father because I was worried about things unrelated. I was a, I was a bad Christian because I was operating out of here. And other people could see it too. Oh, no, no, no. They, they, they didn't notice. They absolutely did notice. My fears about things just completely unrelated to, to the people around me made me a, an unpleasant person to be around. Fear is a dead end. Fear is a dead end. So what do we do? If you were to read a self-help book, the solution would be, well, face your fears. <laughs> okay, Liam, go in the closet. Spend the night in the closet, buddy. That'll solve your problems and you won't have any fears anymore. Terrible advice. It's not, in fact, that's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible does give us at least some sort of prescription, but it does not face your fears. Afraid of heights? Go bungee jumping. Nope, it's not what the Bible says. <laughs> You're just going to be screaming all the way down, wishing you were dead. Fear is a dead end. What do we do? Mark chapter 4, I want you to see what he says. So we got the furious squall. Peter's hugging people. Jesus is sleeping. Don't you care that we're going to drown? Mark chapter 4, verse 39. He got up. He rebuked the wind. He rebuked the wind. And he's like, get out of here. Get out of here. Come on, go, scat. The word, it's a true story. The word is the same words you use for your dog when he's a little getting crazy because the, the, the mailman's at the door. Stop. Be quiet. That's exactly the words that Jesus used. Same words you would use for a pet. Quiet. Be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? (laughs) And this was the result. They were terrified. The, the, The storm's gone. The waves are calm. The barking dog has been shut in the back room. And they're still terrified. They're still full of fear. But now their fear has a different direction. And this is something the scripture speaks to over and over and over again. And we, we have a narrow sense of what fear means. And, and the Bible has a little bit broader sense. But the Bible always directs us, don't fear man, fear God. If you place your, your fear, and let's broaden it to say reverence and awe. If you place it in God, then those other things, the monsters in the closet, 
they become smaller. Maybe they don't go away, but they become much smaller in the face of God. They were terrified because they had gotten, gotten a glimpse of who God really was. And Jesus is saying, look, listen, you guys, you're operating over here out of fear. I really need you over here, okay? And you can't be both. You can't do both. But you know what, Christians? We, we love it over here. We love to share Facebook articles that are just I saw one the other day. I was so annoyed. It, I don't think it was any of you, but if it was, I guess I'm calling you out right now. But it was somebody who's like, I don't know if this is true, but if it is, sure is scary. Share. What are you doing? You're, you're telling your kid the monsters are in the closet. What are you doing? That's not where God wants us. We love it over there in fear. We love the, why do we love the news? Why do we love it? Well, terrible things are happening in the world. Politics. The person we elect, they're going to destroy the country or they're going to save the country. Let me tell you something. They're going to do neither. All those fears that we have about the world, all the fears we have about life, listen, for the most part, they're monsters in the closet. Lion Ball isn't going to save you. Minion Spider-Man isn't going to save you. Donald Duck isn't going to save you. These guys aren't going to do the trick. The only thing that works for Christians, and this is what he says, is to redirect your fear and think about the majesty and the magnificence and the awe-inspiring image of God. And that helps us realize what things really matter. When they saw Jesus, when he calmed the storm, you, you know they were in that boat and you know their eyes bugged out a little bit. You know they glanced at each other and they, you know they backed away from Jesus a little bit. Because something they thought was familiar was revealed to them to be completely otherworldly, supernatural. But I begin, I think that's the place. Did they have fears going forward? Absolutely, sure. We're going to. This is going to be a process. My fear diary, like, I'm sure if I kept going, I'm not going to because it's terrible. I don't recommend it to anybody. I will have fears in the future. But if in those moments I can redirect my fear towards faith in God, then at least my fears get quieter and calmer and stiller. Now, some of you are like, well, I don't know if that works. Listen, I want to be very clear, and this is true for what I said last week, too. we, We are a people whose minds and bodies are broken, and there are people who need to go see doctors, and they need to get medicine, and they need to make choices that will, will help them because their anxieties are out of control. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to try to prescribe you. But I don't want anybody thinking that I'm up here saying, oh, you, you know, your, your worries, you don't need a doctor. Just have more faith. I don't, want, I don't want anybody to hear that at all. But I want us to understand that for most of us, there are no monsters in the closet. And what we need is more of this. And the more we have of this, it's just naturally we're going to have less of that. We'll naturally have less of that. Fear will always be a dead end. If we operate it out of fear, it will always be a dead end. Faith is not. Faith is freeing. But in order to have faith, we have to really know who Jesus is. We have to, really know, we have to see a glimpse of him for who he really is. Otherwise, we're never going to be able to calm these fears. Fear is a dead end. Faith is not. We're going to wrap up this morning. I'm going to ask Dale if he would come up and, and close us out in a word of prayer. Some of you prayed for things this morning that you were nervous about, that you were scared of, that you were worried about. And praying about them is exactly this. It's, it's putting your faith in someone who can actually deal with the problem rather than putting your faith in fears. Dale?
Thank you, Patrick. I just have one question. 